Greetings, dear witches, and thank you for tuning in to the Modern Witches Podcast, brought to you by the witches behind the Modern Witches Confluence and our Witches Gather event series. I am your host and Modern Witches creatrix, Casey Zabala, and I am here to offer this space to commune with the many multifaceted currents of witchcraft at work in our world. Together, may we collectively re-enchant our realities, both here and between the worlds. Hello and welcome to the Modern Witches podcast. This is our digital altar where we explore the many multifaceted pathways of witchcraft. Welcome to our astrological and energetic weather report. We are so excited to be here to dive into the magic and depths of Aquarius season with you all. And we've decided to switch up the format a little bit um, moving forward, starting this week. We're going to be releasing this episode in two parts. So we'll be talking about the transits from the beginning of Aquarius season on January 20th up until February 4th. So the first two weeks of the season. And then we'll release another episode on the 4th of February to complete the transits for the season. And hopefully this will give you the space to kind of dive into what's going on and return to, you know, your Aquarius intentions and themes later on in the season. And we'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to send us a comment or a note, um, we always welcome your insights. And we're just so excited to be offering this. And thank you so much to our listeners who have been faithful to us and who have shared the podcast with your fellow witches. Uh, please continue to do so. It means the world to us. So we're just going to start by sharing a little bit of what we have going on in our cauldron here. Um, I want to share that Modern Witches is going to be hosting our January Coven Circle on the 30th of January. Uh, this is via our Patreon community. Thank you, patrons, for your support. Woo! <laughs> we love you. Um, the circle will be in honor of Brigid, uh, the goddess Brigid, and Brigid's feast day of Imbolc on February 1st. So join us for that. And I'd like to welcome Karima and Mariana for being here, holding it down for these weather reports, and just inviting you both to share anything that's up for you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. Especially for this month. <laughs> it's, it's a very important month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Karima, do you want to share something? Yeah. I'm, uh, I just wanted to say to everyone I'm in France right now and it's very cold. <laughs> it's very <laughs> cold. Uh, but um, yes, I'm very excited to talk about this season, Aquarius season. I feel like it's a very important one. We were talking about it earlier um, with Pluto. Um, so I'm very excited about this. And I also wanted to share some news. I'm doing a class on March 7 in San Francisco at Scarlet Sedge. It's about projection year. It's a way to know um, how the year, what the theme of the new year for you is going to be, uh, the challenges, the the opportunities, and we're going to study how um, you can make the best of it. So if you want to chill, if you want to come, it's going to be fun. Um, just show up in San Francisco at Scarlet Sage on March 7. And you can find all the info on the website too. And I know, Mariana, you have a big thing, too. Yeah. Um, so thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I am hosting the first in a while live astrology gathering upstate New York. There's a wonderful place called World's End School of Thought and Agriculture, also known formerly or now is a part or collaborator of Saipua, a wonderful um, uh community uh it's uh, uh we over weekend we're gonna gather 
learn astrology, learn astrology of 2024, our natal charts, spend time around fireplace, have wonderful dinner, um, spend time in nature. Um, and I hope start rebuilding this communal sense through some astrological um, musings and exchange. Yeah, so come through, it's on January 27th and January 28th. And you can find all the information on my Instagram, Astrosipsa, and through the link in bio. Would love to and we'll see put there. we'll put all this info in our show notes too, so everyone can yeah. check that out. Yeah, but some beautiful offerings. I'm excited we, for next. Yeah, we all have yeah, so really fun. cool things going on. So, guys, whatever resonates, come through. So. Let's dive into Aquarius season. Wow. It's a deep one, y'all. Um, we wanted to start off this episode just by kind of diving into the archetype or texture of Aquarius, just to give us a footing in what this season might have in store for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I can start off. A little bit just with an overall Aquarius um, energetics. So for me, uh, when I think about Aquarius, it's an archetype that thrives with uh, the contemplation and execution of the high social and collective um, improvements, growth, expansion, anything that has to do with the common human humanistic good that is Aquarius it is a progress Aquarius is often associated with progress I consider um, Saturn to be ruler of an of Aquarius through the traditional astrology though modern astrologers often associate Uranus as an archetype that rules Aquarius which I can see why the whole electric futuristic um, component of Aquarian. But what I like with the Saturnian um, representation of Aquarius is that it is still about time for me, but it's time not of the past because Saturn rules time, but it's time of the future and the gradual patient building of the future timelines or alignment more so with the future timelines. That's what I think about Aquarius. And it's um, traditionally, it's where a lot of Aquarius associated with a lot of growth, with a lot of gain, actually, including material gain. Um, so anything that to, has to do with weights, also very Aquarian, like internet, all the AI stuff social upheavals you know that is all very much um Aquarius mm. yeah seems like yeah. it's coming at an opportune time as you know the texture of time flows mm -hmm. yeah and like in mundane astrology like it represents a lot about community organization like non-profit everything mm -hmm. that serve the community of people basically when i see aquarius i see people group of people it's a air element so it's like mariana mentioned is about the mind is about innovation is about growth is about is about technology or how we can use what tools we can use to improve our day-to-day -day or our productivity or how we can serve people in a better way when we use aquarius that way it works very well. Um, and so it's always when we have energy around, like we have a lot of energy in Aquarius, it's great to think how we can serve for the greater good. Like it's a very about how, it's, it's about making improvement and making life better for the community. Also about rights. It's a lot about rights and law and what do we do to have equity to have justice so the theme is coming in a very interesting time when we have a lot of discussion around liberation about equity 
about justice, about fairness, uh, about fairness like to people, to everyone, no matter what your color, no matter what your religion, no matter what your sexual preferences. It's a lot about this. And I think uh, Aquarius bring on the table those subjects that are very intense and very, because it's an air element, we need to think and have, I feel like, using our mind to improve for the better good and not for ourselves, you know, if we want to go that way. Um, but yes, uh, Aquarius is also a fixed sign. So it's something that we can very trust and build. I feel like build on and be like very stable, you know, something that we can create in the long run too. Mm. So yeah, yeah. And everything that's in Mariana basically is <laughs> perfect and I really loved it. And I like what you said about Saturn and Uranus. It's true, like, I didn't think about Saturn, like, when we think about time of the past or time of the future, and definitely Aquarius has this quality of thinking of the future and through innovation, through growth, and through improving our day-to-day lives. Um, when I see Aquarius, I was also thinking of, like, Einstein, you know, like, the crazy thinker, the one that thinks outside of the box, that, like, at the beginning, nobody believed him, and at the end, he's a genius, you know, like, having this kind of vision of a machine or whatever and making it possible. That kind of the archetype I see when I see Aquarius. The archetype I think of the most, and this is just because tarot is my first love is the star card because it's ruled by Aquarius, um, which I think is um, a beautiful representation of sort of what Aquarius needs in order to shine the brightest on the star card um, in traditional or older decks. We often see the star goddess uh, naked under the canopy of stars, pouring libations out onto the earth. It's kind of this representation of the water bearer, which is the zodiac sign of Aquarius or symbol. Um, And it really is this message for me of how Aquarius can find or strike the right balance, I suppose. For me, the dark side of Aquarius is like over-intellectualizing, moving into like an overly abstract territory and sort of forgetting the earth forgetting emotions or not knowing how to integrate those things into like the intellectual pursuit of something. Um, But with that water bearer as the Zodiac sign, it's really this, this message of like, how do we integrate other forms of intelligence into our understanding of the world, what we're perceiving into our understanding of like what the collective needs So for me, when I look at that star symbol and see that star goddess pouring libations onto the earth and into water, it's this real offering of um, giving back. What do we give back to the systems that have given us so much? So I guess my, my spell or hope for Aquarius season is that we can see, you know, how we can shift these systems of oppression into systems of collaboration Um, And how can we do that in our own lives, right? Like how can we start to shift away from extraction and towards giving, um, towards receptivity, reciprocity, those types of ways of relating over the sort of extraction that we see, particularly in systems like AI, um, who's just like pulled all the data and is regenerating, but maybe not um, honoring where that wisdom or that data has been pulled from. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because whenever I think about Aquarius, I'm thinking about the positioning in the zodiacal wheel. Mm-hmm. So Aquarius looks at Pisces and behind is Capricorn, right? So the thing is that without, you're not gonna build a proper foundation, Aquarian foundation without honoring that legacy, which is a Capricorn, and without a proper heart opening, which is Pisces, that's where Aquarian is look, Aquarius is looking towards to that unconditional, all-inclusive, like non-discriminatory 
like acceptance mm -hmm. of everything that has a heart and a soul including nature of course you know we we cannot integrate this energies properly yeah absolutely yeah um, yeah and it's important to think about you know as you're walking through this month you know how can you I love that framing like honor what's come before honor the past and also open your heart to what is becoming or unfolding um, with this Aquarius guide of the star goddess. Yeah. So maybe we should jump into the transits. Mm -hmm. Let's go. The thing that is the most striking about this astrological season we're walking into is the involvement participate participation of Pluto um, which is sort of this really looming or dominant archetypal energy this season. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we, we're going to be going deep into Plutonic territory, all of us, as well yeah. as Aquarian energy. Mm -hmm. it, it is so intense. And I just want to make a quick note. We're talking just about the season. Pluto enters Aquarius, where Pluto will stay from the beginning of Aquarius season till September 2nd. So we have one more dip back into Capricorn from September 2nd into November 19th. So it's just literally like two months back in Capricorn, but this is a proper, proper full on entrance um, mm. in terms of, I don't know, the energetics around it. I agree yeah. because I feel like Capricorn had the power of a Pluto for a long time, even if that was like, when I say a long time, since Pluto has been coming into Aquarius doing back and forth. And I feel like this one, was because of the longevity, is until September. And then the short travel into Capricorn for two months and coming back to Aquarius make that, Pluto entering Aquarius very important because it is basically very much em embodying Aquarius for 2024 and is the kind of is a transition but it's like a test of what is gonna be in 2025 um and the yeah, fact that sorry Casey go ahead no it just strikes me that it's nine months which is like a gestation cycle you know mm -hmm. yeah that's true yeah so something real is being like born here with this initiation of Pluto moving yeah. into Aquarius in this way with the sun right there as well. So yeah, it's a big shift paying attention to what's coming through this Aquarius. Yeah, and also pay attention to the first time. So we had Pluto in Aquarius from already from March 23rd to June 11th of 2023. Yeah. But very, very... Sure. and at the time that's where there was there was riot in france in paris mm -hmm. from mars to june yeah france will ring france will ring with this pluto and aquarius oh yeah france like you could see that was so matching that you mm -hmm. can you can see some country are very aligned with pluto and what is happening in aquarius yeah um, but the french revolution happened yeah. before with Pluto and Aquarius and I think we haven't like I just feel it it's true I feel it a lot in Europe the transformation the realization the the Pluto the last time like the last month Pluto in Capricorn right now like we we're basically at the end of it and you can feel like since 2008 the trip that Pluto did, definitely like the feeling that I have and what I see and when I talk to people, it's the distrust in the government, the distrust in the media, the distrust in like anything like healthcare, like not trusting the government. It's very um, heightened here. Like, like they're not doing it for our own good anymore. Like we believed in it can see that is not for our own good and we can see that there's a lot of 
people then making money out of us. And I can see it's not anymore an elite or a niche that thinks this. It's like literally everybody from every path of life, any background, any. Very shocking because I come back eight months after and like shift all the time. And it's just like, wow. Like I can feel it when people are like mad, tired for any like subject. It's just not like... So I feel like, yeah, for Europe in general, it's going to be very intense, this uh, Aquarius. I just feel it. <laughs> like, you, you can feel this boiling. Yeah. Yeah. So should we look at the chart of the ingression? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I opened, so the sun enters Aquarius on January 20th. Um at around 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, early morning Western time, and then adjusted accordingly. And I like, because moon also ingresses Gemini the same moment. So there is a sun-moon um, trine happening on the ingression of uh, on the start of the Aquarius season. So that for me is a good, if we talk like to, to a minute, for me it's a good omen. Let me double check though. Is it moon might be like yeah, they go in together. Everything it's so interesting. This air age is really like pulling our attention here because on the same day, like Pluto is just like a minute away from the sun, just following the footsteps, about to enter Aquarius. What do you guys see what's that stands out to you with the chart? I mean, also, you know, just hours after Pluto ingresses, we have the sun conjunct Pluto. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll we'll go into that. But, you know, on this day, we also have Saturn forming a square with the moon at that moment of the Kazemi, the Pluto Kazemi. Um, there's with that moon in Gemini, I think it's like really important in a way because I think it's scattering the way we're thinking, you know, um, and pulling at that Pluto in a very emotional way, drawing that Pluto into our minds even further. Um, I think when the moon is in an air sign, we we understand the texture of our emotions differently and that we like intellectualize them. We rationalize them. Um, We're able to maybe communicate them a bit better with ourselves and with other people. So I think it's going to pull Pluto into focus in a way and show us our personal shadow in a way that we can maybe digest or um, give shape to, which Mm -hmm. I think will be interesting on a personal level. Mm-hmm. yeah the the thing for me i like just to talk about what you said the moon in gemini um i agree that help us and take and how you say it and textualize intellectualize <laughs> our emotion and i just feel it's good sometimes to be able to put words on what we feel and it, it's bad when we stay too much in it and not feel it you know it's always the shadow part of it but with um the sun in Aquarius also air element that help uh a lot that um intellectual I won't be able to say it Casey intellectualization of our emotion this is you something I have to learn you did it <laughs> I heard it and uh, yes to answer to your question Mariana I yeah me what is striking me the most is the is the Pluto coming into mm-hmm. like doing basically coming into Aquarius making Kazimi to the sun a couple hours later um it's 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 a Kazimi with a Pluto is like Mars I feel like they are very tough that day we can feel very exhausted um I love doing the Kazimi time especially with heavy planets like this lighting a black candle like just to 
feel the purge, wash off and just use this Kazemi to have a kind of a rebirth or renew. And definitely Pluto is going through this. He's going to be, he's being charged by the sun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's transformation, so right? You know, yeah. it's like this massive wave of transformation, not only moving into a new sign, but meeting up with the sun, which is our vitality, our ego, mm -hmm. our energy. Um, so there's this invitation to understand how you as an individual are transforming through the larger story of the collective. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just feel like we're going to understand there's something that click here that we're going to feel like on a larger scale. Um, and it's maybe going to take time to realize it. But I think there's a new kind of a new Pluto coming in, like a new view of Pluto and a new understanding. There's definitely a shift here. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. One thing I want to note with this particular configuration with Sun, Pluto and Moon in Gemini, it's all about connecting. It's connecting online, in person, whatever. It's coming together. It's ideas and concepts that need to be shared and not kept private. This is that moment. That moment, this particular zero degree uh, air trying will have a great, great expansion once Jupiter goes in Gemini and Pluto will through that zero degrees where Moon now, when Pluto enters Aquarius, when Jupiter goes, I think it's in May, correct me, I can't remember, May or June, Jupiter goes into Gemini and will form trine to Pluto. And this whole, the happenings of the month of this Aquarius season will have a magnifying glass on them once Jupiter goes into Gemini. So the zero degrees is very important. It's sort of that like initiation point. And another thing uh, is also the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction happened in 2021, was it? Yeah. 2021. It was the end of 2020. 2021. Yeah. The end of December. Yeah. Yeah. So it's at the end of, and it's uh, also at zero degrees. So this conjunct, this um, Jupiter Pluto trine that will happen is a benefic development, mm -hmm. beneficial. Yeah. It's not a square we like. We went through the square, uh, like, did we? Yeah, whoop. Jupiter, yeah, I think. Trine, yeah, we went through the square. The square. We're yeah. on the way to the trine, so more collective ben beneficial development of that particular conjunction. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think if you feel on this day and around this time, if you feel the impulse to kind of um, shy away or repress whatever's kind of coming through for you. Um, that's definitely an area to take note of um, and an area where you might be able to expand or transform, um, send some compassion to. You know, Pluto is a transformational agent, but it also can work to like uh, bury things. It is a chthonic planet mm -hmm. meaning it's very much dwells in the underworld um and oftentimes our ego the sun can shut down that shadowy um underworld energy um mm -hmm. for fear of it like overpowering the ego so there's there's a little bit of like a power dynamic here anytime pluto's involved there's a power dynamic but just be noticing those areas where you feel like you have to hide um, because those are probably the areas of your life where things could really drastically change and you could kind of open a lot of doorways into greater understanding or compassion or awareness. Absolutely. And one more thing about Pluto is that it's not linear in terms of its um, effect. It can be great concealer and great revealer. So mm. it's either or like, and 
because Pluto often is associated on a more negative scale as a manipulative energy. If we like imagine that we have this dynamic with the universe and the universe operates through the Plutonian um, language or Plutonian um, actions. So universe through whichever way will pull what's necessary out of the more collective, more collaborative, suppressed dynamics in our society. Mm. For some, it will be revealed. For some, it's like the fear of connection actually is going to be pronounced. The fear of connecting, the fear. Because Pluto is very, it's fear-inducing, right? And how one can be swallowed by the collective currents is a is a, is a very valid fear, actually. You know, so... But we're in a Saturn. It's the whole thing is happening in the Saturn ruled sign. So the prerequisite for everything is a good sense of groundedness, mental groundedness, body related Saturnian energies have to be utilized in order not to be swept away by the Plutonian ones. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, don't lose sight of your body. Mm -hmm. Very easy with Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So this is a powerful entry into this Aquarius season and the themes are only going to develop from here. Um, the next sort of important shift that takes place is on January 23rd when Venus enters Capricorn. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Venus in an Earth sign in Capricorn, which can be more traditional. Um, so we might see um, sort of these themes of traditional um, values coming through. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if either of you are aware of this, but have you heard that Christianity, specifically Orthodox Christianity, is one of the fastest growing religions? currently no way i did not know that and that to me is like sort of like a venus and aquarius venus and capricorn thing like that i mean there's also a really troubling thing happening this like backlash to this the feminism we have now um is this like traditional wife concept have you heard of this travel oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -mm. It's scary. It scares me. Just period. I don't know. I don't know but, about that. Um, it's like this whole trope of like having lots of babies and being a staying home mom and um, like chopping wood and baking bread and gardening. And all of these things are perfectly fucking lovely. Correct. Mm -hmm. But there's also this undercurrent to it that's very um, much like submitting to the patriarchy. And that's my understanding of this like trad wife phenomenon that we're seeing. Um, that to me is also like Venus in Capricorn territory of like returning to these older values that relate to women's work, women's values, um, you know, traditional family values, all of this stuff. Um, and I can see the allure of like going back to the old ways, you know, and, and that lifestyle. Um, but the undercurrent of like negative power dynamics or the patriarchy, which is also very Capricorn are also there. So it's something to be aware of if you're scrolling mm -hmm. through TikTok and enjoying the trad wife content. I never heard that term, but I do enjoy that content if I'm com being completely honest you do i do uh no i mean and i don't have any like shame around it like because um it's about for me um there's nothing wrong with going in some with returning or remembering something but i have a question with how far back and why how far back I actually prefer the further back versus the few hundred years back. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me, I'm talking 
the original, <laughs> right? The ancient so, prime mother matriarch. Yes. That go like the remembrance is what triggers the remembrance is an, an interesting question. It was the need for safety. I will argue that this whole trend, the popularity of that is the need for safety and return to some kind of sense of uh, womb, um, like belonging, you know? Absolutely. The, the way we look at that, um, yeah, but the thing is, it's it can be a trick that tricks one into uh, thinking it's safety because now it's presented in a certain way. But what put that trend out there? How did it come to be? How did it became so, you know? So there's always like, what's after that? Meaning that women want to do this and break breads and do this thing. <laughs> Does it limit them in certain capacity? Where's the limit? What's the uh, prerequisite limitation here that is not spoken of, but implied? Exactly. Yeah. And I think you're right about the safety piece. Um, I think so much of like these moments of backlash are because people don't understand what the future look holds. So they return to older ways that um, maybe limit freedom because they're so scared of what the unknown is, right? Um, so yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with traditional ways. And in, in so many ways, like they're integral to the integrity of someone's craft into someone's life. And I think there's a way in which I, I see like the devil card so much when I'm just talking about this, which mm -hmm. is ruled by Capricorn and on the devil card in the writer weight tarot, we see a reflection of the lovers and we see the devil has chained the lovers um to them and there's this sense of control mm -hmm. um and i think capricorn likes to exert control um and the mechanism of like traditional dynamics which you know in capitalism and in a lot of abrahamic religions is often you know mechanized through dominance of masculine over feminine um and i just see that i see that playing out right now and so i think it'll be interesting when venus moves into capricorn you know notice mm -hmm. what, what you seem attracted to um and maybe what power dynamics are behind the values that you're attracted to mm -hmm. I feel on the note, the note is also bringing um, Venus in Capricorn. It's also bringing like, um, because Venus is about also finance and abundance. There's a, a, a thinking of how it can bring more wealth in the long term. Um, there is also this part for some people that is going to, like this Venus transit in Capricorn is going to be about. Um, and Capricorn wants to build. So when we have Venus, like uh, a plan of connection, love, want a partner, <laughs> there's something that um, there's pleasure in this. And like you mentioned, in the simplest way, but also to to be able to grow and start. I see that me, I see the Knight of Pentacle, like, you know, almost stagnant and ready to go. We have it, but going slowly. So it's a great way to, because there's so much happened um, the last season in Capricorn, we had Mars, we have Mercury, where the sun was there. Um, and then we have Venus kind of bringing a little bit of sparkling and love around those transit and bring pleasure also in that part of your chart. Um, so anything you want to build financially in terms of abundance or materialistic too, it's very I think potent for Venus and Capricorn is mm -hmm. great. Yeah. It's very interesting that the Pluto, Pluto just left um, Aquarius, uh, Pluto just left Capricorn, sorry. 
and Venus goes there and Venus is almost like tasked with redefining after the complete um like like the burn down <laughs> of the Capricornian themes Venus now for years to come every time she comes back into Capricorn is tasked to re renegotiate the value dynamics for the future legacy for the future so it's like and there's an opportunity for this Venus to do a clean slate because it's yeah. things it's like a, a burnt field right yeah. now yeah. you know so it's 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 a very uh there's a great opportunity for this Venus there uh to not repeat the mistakes that we have been taught for the last 15 years through how little the traditional structures care for us and not to submit more yeah. the the fact that Cap Pluto left Capricorn does not mean that we now all of a sudden all of us understand all the you know Pluto is going to come back to Capricorn in 248 years and might find it in the same place. <laughs> I hope not. I think if I think I think not if if Pluto and Aquarius has anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is like like women 240 of course we, there was progress of course there are like a certain level of rights that have been gained but now pluto left capricorn and for the last few years it looks like we're rolling back mm -hmm. in so many ways yeah absolutely. so i'm like okay let's let's learn the lessons yeah um, because also pluto and capricorn is who hold the power and then when you have for example like one of the best example it was the journalist the media doing Pluto and Capricorn and where we start and where we are right now um how people turn into independent journalists um how people like don't trust anymore the information coming from the top because they want to hold the power and they want to hold the narrative and it's, it's been stronger and stronger and stronger and turned to a propaganda. And so when I see Pluto in Capricorn, for me, it's like people who had the power want to hold it because they can see they're losing it now at the end of the last degree of Pluto in Capricorn. So it's even stronger now, the narrative, the propaganda, the, the words that we're using, everything that is purged into our mind, our visual, the ads, everything is stronger because they want to hold the power. There's something there about holding the power. But I feel like with this shift that we, we're entering with Pluto and the Kazemi with the sun, there's definitely something that is released. And I don't think they, they're able to hold on to power anymore because people are definitely, we can see people are taking over. Yeah. And one more thing, it's Venus is so about pleasure and value mm -hmm. but this is long term think long term suspension of instant gratification yeah because this is the value that you want to like really create and reap the rewards yeah. and the gather the fruit when the time comes and not mm -hmm. this is not a time to uh take a bait for anything that seems instantaneous or yeah time wasting mm -hmm. yeah yeah so the next important transit in this season comes at january 25th with the full moon in leo five degrees of leo mm -hmm. um and this is this is a very dramatic full moon in true leo fashion uh, we have Pluto there at zero degrees, just five degrees away from this full moon. And the sun and moon are forming a T-square with Jupiter at six degrees of Taurus. Mm -hmm. And Jupiter just expands everything it touches. You know, it's that great magnifier. Um, so yeah. just take the obvious, which is full moons are mean big emotions and big tides and Jupiter's coming in to kind of really heighten 
whatever drama we might feel playing out in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that this full moon is a sun ruled moon. Mm-hmm. And the sun is an opposite sign. So it is relational. It is very relational. And if it's not relational externally, it's relational internally between your need for self-expression, your time. So sort of like my needs versus the collective needs versus how you uh, show up for the community and the negotiation from a higher vantage point with Jupiter of those dynamics for yourself is coming kind of clear for you because it's a full moon. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it's very, the Jupiter, like Pluto, kind of like we're already experiencing, we've been, we've, for, for a few days prior to the full moon, like a sun, it's separating still, it's separating from Pluto. So it's sort of like, and separating into the full moon. So it's like, there's an experience, and then there is sort of an accumulation of insights of that experience. And then we have this sort of like, I always say the T-squares is a fork in the road, the choices. It's the choice moment. Yeah. And Jupiter, you know, can also be like our our, our higher sort of understanding, you know, our personal philosophies, um, mm-hmm. our quest for truth. And so that might be in question as well under this full moon mm-hmm. yep there's still a lot in capricorn during this full moon so mm-hmm. i just so. feel like even if the sun is in aquarius which is like uh vitality is, is, a, is in our mind definitely i feel mm-hmm. like there's still like so much in capricorn that's holding us back a little bit um and like there's uh, like the vitality is an idea our ideology and what we want to create but there is still stagnation mm-hmm. and still hard to move forward i feel like uh it's still stuff to build basically there's still stuff to build or to put foundation on mm-hmm. um and our mind is maybe going faster than what we can manifest um especially when i see this mars leaving this conjunction with Mercury, I think against our mind, healing mind, you know? Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a full moon that is about ourselves and towards the community or ourselves versus others, uh, whatever is placed in your chart, but it's definitely you and the other. Um, but th- there's a, like your mind is like what Casey said, the Jupiter is where we need to go because Jupiter is in Taurus, is grounding, is about slowing down, that help us figure out going back to your body is very important um, because your mind is is very active doing that forward. Yeah, one more thing here is that not try not to overextend yourself with this Jupiter square. You know, like it's sort of wanting to participate here and do something there and Mm. like if 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 i would like suggest a formula for the explanation it would be something like if you find the leo find the leo placement in your chart that is obviously where um clarity should be coming forward and clarity and a lot of the greater vision greater that vantage point about how to utilize your natural talents, the Leo placement, something that is solar powered in your chart, um, and how to create greater sense of stability. You might be able to see it now. And I do like actually the whole Capricorn presence because the whole Capricorn season this year and the Capricorn transits because of the Jupiter Uranus in Taurus, there's and then uh, Saturn in Pisces. There's this sextile trine support that kind of slowly but surely, let's call it. Yeah. Yeah. The other the other thing that 
is catching my eye about the chart of this full moon is how we have Mars forming a square to Chiron. Mm. So that's like something to just notice. Um, there could be some kind of like trigger that comes for you um, around your core wounding, um, the areas that you want to push yourself to grow. Um, there's like a healing edge that's being revealed here um, that could be highlighted at this full moon. Um, so just also like, I think it's wise to just kind of heed the call to move slowly with that Jupiter and Taurus aspecting this full moon and also to move with tenderness um, and possibly compassion in the face of those relational dynamics that quite possibly could be triggering for you. Yeah. The thing with Chiron, yeah, the Chiron slowly approaching North Node in areas and that Mars squaring Chiron, it's such a invitation to take our time and take it through the length of the length of this transits, the nodal, the Mars transits, you know, like take your time with Mars and Capricorn in asserting your identity. Take your time with little things, small steps. It's an art of small steps, really, this Mars square Chiron, where your nervous system <laughs> needs to handle that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of nervous system, we do on the 27th, a few days after this full moon, we have Mercury forming that conjunction with Mars at 17 of Capricorn. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When is it again? 27th? Mm -hmm. January 27th. Yeah, yeah Mercury conjunct Mars. Yeah. Um, it's when... Mars conjunction is a malefic generally, but both are pretty, like Mars is exalted, Mercury is neutral in Capricorn. I think this is a really wonderful opportunity to deliver. To Actually, Mercury went through a bunch of transits prior to this. It's, um, it's about to actually trine Uranus. It went through the second or third trine with Jupiter, right, after the retrograde. So Mercury has been on this real journey of uh, clarifying the message that one wants to send out in the world. So this Mars conjunction is poor point of climax of delivering the message or putting it out there, something like that. I, I'm seeing it from the positive light. I think it's a good, because Mercury has done the lessons, hopefully in the last month and a half <laughs> and not gonna just in Capricorn I don't think Mercury is just gonna go and spout things left and right with the Mars influence yeah fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> but I think I think that's that seems real to me and I think there's there's probably a way that you can like attune to and take note of what your body's telling you around this time um, sometimes Mars really speaks to like our capacity, our energetic capacity, our energy levels, how many spoons we have. So really mm -hmm. just like tuning in to what level of resource we feel mm -hmm. and how that level of resource is reflected out in the world around us. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes when I'm low energy or low capacity, like the way that the world around me reacts is also by like quieting or shutting down or slowing down. Um, and sometimes I can bring anxiety, but also it's an opportunity to, to rest. Right. So yeah. trying to see your energy reflected in the earth and the world around you around that time, see yeah. what comes. Yeah. And one more thing that just came to mind is that Mercury, Mars, Mars is about courage and speaking truth to power. It is in Capricorn. It's speaking truth to Saturnian. It's formulating maybe collective messages. It's maybe getting to some level of um, uh, 
more strict and collective demand for something. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> right. Um, I think I we didn't highlight it in our notes, but I think it's important to know that Uranus goes direct on the same day on January 27th at 19 degrees of Taurus. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, I was I was this is on my mind because I've had Uranus transiting through my first house mm -hmm. for a long time. And mm -hmm. you know, there's one more instance of it going retrograde in Taurus. So mm -hmm. if you're someone who's also waiting for Taurus to <laughs> Uranus <laughs> to leave Taurus, you've still got some time till 2025. Um, but it's an opportunity here to like really think about what Uranus has done for Taurus um, in the last four years, maybe more. Five years. 2018 since 25. Yeah. Almost five. You know, it's the revolutionary in the sign of um, Taurus, which is all about, again, like our values and our connection with the earth, our utility in the world. And um, yeah, an opportunity to reflect on how Uranus has been affecting you and your chart if you have any planets in Taurus, any um, important points there? Mm -hmm. What has changed? What has revolutionized you? Yeah. Yeah. Some insights, especially if you, if you have fixed placements, maybe abound. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, and kind of to close out January on January 28th, we have Mercury forming a trine with Uranus in Taurus. Mm -hmm. And then on the 29th, Mars in also in Capricorn makes a trine with Uranus in Taurus. Mm -hmm. um, so sort of an opportunity here for these personal planets to communicate with Uranus and give us a little bit more insight here. Um, hopefully channeling some of that Uranian innovation, rebellion, um, what needs to be changed about the way you're thinking, what needs to be changed about the way you're moving through the world, the way you're using your energy um, at this mm -hmm. time. Yeah, in relation to the houses associated for you with Taurus and Capricorn. So those two are having a very beautiful interaction. And to close out this first two weeks of Aquarius season, on February, oh, actually, wait, I, before I say that, I wanted to mention too, that on February 1st, we have um, in bulk or the feast of uh, Bridget. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Bridget really ties into Aquarian energy, the star goddess energy really beautifully, um, being a herald for inspiration. Um, Bridget or Breed is from the Celtic pantheon. Um, they're an ancient pre-Christian goddess that is a goddess of metallurgy, smithcrafts, poetry, inspiration, midwifery, and protection. They do a lot, um, and they offer a lot to people who choose to work with them. Um, they're one of the few goddesses that was sort of canonized by Christianity because they were just so popular and so wide, widely celebrated. Um, and on the eve of St. Bridget's feast, um, one of the traditions is to set out a mantle or a piece of cloth out overnight to collect Bridget's dew. And the dew that is collected on this cloth, it's sort of this consecration and it becomes this protective shawl that one could use in numerous ways for healing and protection. Um, and I really just appreciate this practice. It's something that I practice um, and it offers sort of this collaborative approach to this period of time, the winter, which is uh, for us in the Northern hem Hemisphere is one that can be quite difficult. So connecting and communing with an energy that can offer their guidance, their protection um, when times are very dark um, is a real blessing. 
So I'll offer that as something to look into for our listeners if it resonates. Um, and again, an invitation to join us on January 30th to tune deeper into Bridget's energetics. Yeah. All right. Is there a second part? <laughs> yes. So I guess to finish off this episode, we'll just share that on February 4th, Mercury enters Aquarius mm -hmm. and um, we'll tune into that at the beginning of our part two. That'll start the, the, the next two weeks of Aquarius season. See you there. Yeah, see you there. Thanks for tuning in.